You are listening to Prophet Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson, exploring biblical prophecy for yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Welcome back to Prophet Pearls. This is your host, Keith Johnson, along with my friend Nehemia Gordon. I am still without my suitcase. We are in the third recording. I have no suitcase. It's been three days and two nights. I'm looking for a miracle. Three days and two nights with the same underwear. (laughs) Well, listen, folks, we're here in uh, the land of Israel. Yeah, we're in the land of Israel. We said we would do whatever it takes, and we literally are doing whatever it takes. Uh, Nehemiah and I are here. We're we're actually getting into an amazing passage. But I have to tell you before we get started, Nehemiah, I've had a bit of a crisis in this uh, safe house that you have me staying in. I was up at about 4 o'clock in the morning. Uh, and as you know, we're, we're, folks that don't know, we actually can't sleep in the same place because we don't have two places. You've got a place you're sleeping in, Bubby Dina's. I'm here uh, uh, in, the, in the safe house, and we're recording here. There's only one the, bed, really. And, and can, can, I, can, I, can I share a really funny story? So I wrote to the people we rented this place from, and I said, and I, and I wrote to her in Hebrew, and I said, um, I said, you know, uh, my partner and I will, will uh, you know, need the apartment. And, I, you know, in Hebrew, that word partner is, is, is ambiguous. And since there's only one bed, I think she, you know, leapt to some conclusions, perhaps. But no, yeah. somebody say separate beds. No, no, separate <laughs> talking about? I'm at my so, mother's house. Yeah, in her exactly, yeah, no, but we're, we're, we have this place available so that we can record at any time. And so I actually thought last night yeah. that we might record early in the morning. I woke up at about 4.30 in the morning, sent you a note, and you didn't respond. So uh, I got in a little trouble. and I started a wonderful uh, omelet, and I had a great breakfast. Yeah, I have nothing in the refrigerator. I haven't had anything to eat. But the good news is, is I uh, uh, this morning I had a little bit of a, a push, Nehemiah. Uh, we're okay. going to get right into this uh, Prophet Pearls. I want to thank our friend Dominique from Tampa, who's actually our Prophet Pearl partner. Uh, he's uh, he's he, he stepped in early in the process. Dominique, thank you so much Ta-da. for this. We're in uh, Isaiah 43. And for all the people that have been uh, supporting us in this process, you know, we had to do something that was not on the schedule. We had to fly in to the land of Israel. And there's so many things that are going to take place in the next couple of weeks. One, that we're going to be recording. But two, I just think that we're here. It's kind of a setup, Nehemiah. And I want to tell everyone, right now, I do think it's a setup. I I, um, woke up this morning and was really confronted with something that I've really been struggling with. And it has to do with why I so love this process that we're in of sharing the Word of God with people. What I don't like about sharing the Word of God is that sometimes people can look at you and say, okay, you're going to be the great teacher. You're going to be the sage. You're going to be the one that's going to give me all the information. And I've never had that sort of situation with you. We've always taken the approach that we want to give access to the information for people. Now, that doesn't mean that people are going to go through the same process that you did. Naomi Gordon from the Hebrew University who spent all these years and, and the things that I've done. They're not going to always do that. But I think that our approach, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, our approach is to give them the ability to see for themselves what it is that we're talking about. And that is really important to me because I think there's so much going on right now where that's not the case. I was actually listening to something today that really vexed me, and it had to do with people that were promoting the idea that you cannot know the Torah unless you've got a rabbinic commentary. That If you don't have the running commentary, you literally can't know it, which means, obviously, not only could you not know it, you couldn't teach it. And I, I, I vehemently oppose that. Well, it, it means something else as well. It means that if you read Scripture by yourself, you will be deceived by the words of God because you will think you understand them. And in fact, you need the interpreter, you need the translator, you need that intermediary. Without the intermediary of the rabbis, you cannot understand the word of God. That's what the rabbis claim. Mm-hmm. And and you know what I'm all about as a Karite Jew is, no, I want to engage the word of God myself. I want to engage with the creator of the universe, read his word, and I believe it is knowable but w- without without the intermediary. Without, and, that's, and that's what I've always been about. 
um, you know, is empowering people with information. That's what my ministry of Macquarie Hebrew uh, Foundation is about. It's not here I'm going to spoon feed people the answers, but I'm going to present them. Look, here are the sources. Go check them out for yourself. Own mm-hmm. the information for yourself. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, Karaite Jews have this saying um, that it, it, it's better that you get the interpretation wrong, but you got it by yourself than that you blindly follow somebody else. Because mm-hmm. if you blindly follow one of the teachers of the diaspora, when we don't have prophets, we don't have, um, you know, the temple with the high priest standing with the Urim and Tumim, when you don't have that, then then um, every, every reading of Scripture is somebody's interpretation. And at least when you engage it yourself, it's your interpretation based mm-hmm. on the information that you have and your relationship with the creator of the universe, rather than blindly following the words of a man. Mm-hmm. And if you blindly follow the words of another man, who's a, you know, a flesh and blood human being, not a prophet, that, and it's not the word of God. What you're doing is you put up those words as the word of God, and that's basically idolatry. Right. And I, and I, you know, and here's where the tension comes in for me because I've so much appreciated many of my friends, rabbinic, rabbis, and others that are, have spent their life uh, learning the word of God and teaching the word of God. I've been really blessed to be able to interact with people like that. The struggle that I have is that it, it, it almost seems like there's like a pulling out of the rug from under people that, that literally they can't know, they can't have access. There's no impo- there's an impossibility for them. And that hasn't been my journey. My journey has been to have to learn each letter and vowel and consonant. And it's still a process. It's a lifelong process. But I love having the ability to open the word of God and to see it for myself. And then to begin to ask the question, how do I apply it in my life? And I do believe there's a spiritual aspect to, to, to the word of God and reading and understanding and asking for discernment and for wisdom and also interacting. What we're doing, Nehemiah, we're interacting with each other. I yeah. want people to feel like they can be encouraged to interact with the sources and all that. But when you get to the place that says you cannot, you cannot understand it unless you have someone else tell you that's where I feel like the line has been crossed. And that's just for me, right. something that I've been struggling with. So, so, you know, look, I mean, this isn't on the topic of Isaiah 43, but, I, you know, actually the day this is supposed to be broadcast, uh, March 21st, 2015, mm. is the day that if we find the Aviv Barley... That will be the beginning of the Hebrew year, the sighting of the new moon. If, mm. if everything goes the way we expect it, maybe God has other plans. Yes. Um, and, and you know, uh, it's interesting, that you, you know, what you're saying. It, it's inspiring me to, I, I want to, can I read you something? Sure. That I wrote uh, in 2011. And, um, and, and, and really what I think you're saying is that when we engage directly with the word of God, there's a struggle. When you go and you have the rabbi spoon feed you, then there's complete unity. Everybody agrees, and not just the and, rabbi Nehemiah. Let me just let me let yeah. me to be clear. It's not just the rabbi. From my tradition, we've got the people, whether the bishops, the preachers, the popes, okay. and everyone and else. And there's great the, comfort yeah. for many people in following in blindly following what the pope says for mm. over a billion people. Mm. And there's great comfort for for you know millions or hundreds of thousands of Jews who blindly follow what the rabbi says, mm. and they don't have to think for themselves because it's scary when you have to think for yourself and engage scripture. And you come to the verse and you see, wait, there's a contradiction there. And there's something I don't, understand. I don't understand. I don't and, know and, what it and, is. And, and, it's, and it's much easier to say, well, here's what the rabbi says it is. I don't need to think about it and activate my brain. But then you're not engaging with the word of God. So I don't know if you remember this, but in 2011, we went down to Egypt. And it was a time. I mean, it was when, a highlight of my Mubarak, life. <laughs> really? When Mubarak was just overthrown. And here's what I wrote to people. Um, I'm re- uh, I wrote a little piece called Aviv Shmaviv. <laughs> yeah. And look, I think the Aviv is extremely important. But I think sometimes... Uh, what we do is is we we focus so much on truth that we've discovered that we you know we're focusing so much on the tree that we forget the forest right. and, and look I'm I'm more guilty of that than many people because as an Aspie I have a tendency towards that um, so I was reminding myself more than you're others. still riding that Aspie bus I, absolutely I'm sticking with that <laughs> all right many people call for unity but what they really mean is uniformity 
This is what I wrote. They claim unity is... Uh, actually, I want to go back here and... Right and, there in the... That was a great statement. No, it, it is. Uh, I agree with you. Uh, I, you know, and there I'm quoting myself. Um, but no, I'm going to jump ahead. I'm not going to read the whole thing. People can find this online on my website, nechemiswall.com. It's called Aviv Shmaviv. But here it is. I got some real insights into unity last week with, when Keith Johnson and I were down in Egypt. Unless you've been serving on a deep water submarine or stuck in Canada, then you know Egypt is a country still recovering from 30 years of rule by a brutal dictator. Now, you know, people have such a short memory, but at the time, this was the top story in, in the world. It was huge. Keith and I had the opportunity to sit down with several Bedouin men in Nueva on the shores of the Red Sea, where the Israelites crossed over from slavery into freedom. I asked them what they thought of the overthrow of Mubarak. One young man, I don't know if you remember this, yes, one young man was nostalgic about the fallen dictator, insisting that as bad as he was, at least there was, quote, unity under his rule. This young Bedouin man has never known the basic freedoms many of us take for granted. He was terrified by the, quote, division that now racks his country. Mm. I realize that political tyranny creates unity at the cost of freedom, just as spiritual tyranny creates unity at the cost of truth mm. and the individual's relationship of faith with God. And, and to me, that's what this is about. That's what this Prophet Pearls is about. It's about let's show people a picture, an example of what you can do if you cast off the chains of spiritual tyranny and engage with the word of God yourself. Mm. And look, we don't agree on many things. Right. We don't see eye to eye many things and that's okay you know some people might look at this and say this is complete chaos there's division they're confusing us mm. and and what that is is those are people who are struggling for the first time in their life with with encountering freedom because mm -hmm. freedom is challenging and it's mm -hmm. scary and it does appear that it's division but what it really is is that you're engaging with the word of god and it's true there's this false unity but this is this is truth you know what's interesting to me a lot of people ask the question about why we do this and this is a very this is a very rare situation because I am not uh, a person who's looking to fi figure out how you can let me know. Hey, how can I become a Karaite? How can I become Jewish? How can I become the next uh, uh, great rabbinic uh, you know teacher or, or sage or whatever anything like that? I know who I am. I know where I, I come from and my heritage, and I've joined myself to the God of Israel through understanding the Word of God in its language, history, and context. I'm excited about that. I don't need to do anything else. Even though we've had this discussion, well, you, mean you don't need to jump through the rabbi's not hoop. Otherwise, through... you don't count. Yeah, you don't count. Well, this is what they'll tell you. Yeah, yeah but but let me just say this, and, and I want to say this in, in sensitivity. Uh, I do believe there is a there is a process that we we need to go through to understand the Word of God. We've got to go through that hard process of under, getting some of the information. What I struggle with is when people don't have any of the information, they simply go and get the opinion of another person, and then they bring that as authority and then start beating people over the head with the opinion of this other person as authority. And that's what I see is running rampant, and that's what I don't want to be a part of. I want to give people access to the information. So this is kind of what I've been struggling with all night, and now we're going to get into Isaiah 43. But I think and there's you know, some amazing you know things when, you, when you brought this up, did you know Isaiah actually addresses this exact issue? Well, I had no idea. I wish you had waited until we got to the verse, because we're going to have to talk <laughs> about this when we speak about yeah. it. Well, let's, do, let's start out. Let's get into before it. we get you start, I wanted to say something. Do you find it's interesting that... Um, that Isaiah forty three twenty one starts at the end of it's a the end section. of a prophecy. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and so it's, it's completely disconnected from the context. And I just don't, you know, again, I don't know where this tradition is coming from. These people yeah. picking like, but this is an example where it's like, yeah. 
you know, well, so specifically, there's there's a, a prophecy, Isaiah 43, verses 16 to 21 in the Hebrew is a unit unto itself. Mm-hmm. And our section here of the prophet pearls of, of the weekly prophet portion read in many synagogues around the world begins in verse 21 at the at the tail end of that prophecy. And I wish we had time that we could go through the we entire <laughs> prophecy of Isaiah 43, 16, 21. But I say we just you know jump into the next prophecy because mm-hmm. then we'll have a context. Yeah. Well, we um, do have to at least say this. Uh, the people uh, for, yeah. who formed it uh, for myself, well, it's, it's, I'm sorry, if you can, you're, you're 43, 21. Can you tell me what the people that I that I formed for myself? Yes, um, they shall tell my praise, which is yes. a beautiful verse. But what's the context? It's completely cut off. But whatever. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go to verse twenty-two, mm-hmm. which is now a new prophecy. Okay, awesome. Okay, <clears throat> reading in uh, I'm reading in the NAS here. It yeah. says, "Yet you have not called on me, O Jacob, but you have become weary of me, O Israel." And you know, again, we're going to be dealing with these. Um, you know, when we get to Isaiah in different sections, especially with Isaiah and others, there's like this poetic thing that's going on. You know, here's the statement. Here's another statement to confirm it. You know, here's a statement. Here's another statement to confirm it. So we want to know what we're reading and how we're reading. It's not like a narrative. We're not reading uh, and Abraham walked down the street and did da 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 da. Right. We see well, something and else most prophecies in ancient times were very very short. Mm-hmm. You know, we think about the prophecy of Jonah, where we have uh, we have the example of how it was given. Mm-hmm. We don't know how these prophecies were given. We just right. have the prophecy without the story behind it. But the prophecy of Jonah was four words in Hebrew, 40 days and Nineveh is overthrown. Period. And that's his entire prophecy. He walks through the city for three days, back and forth, just shouting out, 40 days and Nineveh is overthrown. 40 days. So imagine. So here we've got a prophecy, Isaiah 43, verses 22 to 24, which is its own unit in Hebrew. Now, yours translated, it said yet. Yet. And that implies that this is a continuation of what came before it. But in Hebrew, that's not entirely clear. It just says mm-hmm. and. Yeah. And in Hebrew writing, and can open up an entire book. Like exactly. we're actually this week, as we're recording, this is pre-recorded, obviously. Um, as we're recording is the week of Purim. And um, and the book of the book of Esther begins, And it came to pass, or literally, and it was in the days of Ahasuerus. And some people have looked at that who don't know Hebrew and they say, wait a minute, and? Yeah. Well, what is, what is it following? And it's not following anything. And can actually open up a new thing in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So where it opens up, it says, and now we, there's obviously a theme connection to the previous verse, which is why the prophecy was stuck here. But the original context of this prophecy was three verses by itself, verses 22 to 24. Yes. And um, and it's interesting. There's a contrast here for sure. But between verse 21, he's saying they tell my praises. But then verse 22 is a different message altogether. Exactly. You don't call upon me, Jacob. But which one is it? Exactly. Well, that's because originally these prophecies were not connected. Standard and in the things. Hebrew text, you still see that. You see there's a break after 21 and before 22. Mm-hmm. So it says, You've not called on me, O Jacob, but you have become weary of me, O Israel. You have not brought to me the sheep of your burnt offerings, nor have you honored me with your sacrifices. I have not burdened you with offerings, nor wearied you with incense. Next verse. Yeah. You have brought me not sweet cane with money. Oh, you have brought me not sweet cane with money. Nor have you filled me with the fat of your sacrifices. Rather, you have burdened me with your sins. You have married me. Uh, you have uh, wearied me with your iniquities. So, we're talking about this issue. It, it trans, trans, um, transfers from the issue of the sacrifices to something. If I can say this word, it's yeah. more personal. It's like, okay, here are the offerings, etc., etc., etc. Rather, what you've done is you've brought me your sins, rather than bringing me sacrifices. You've brought me, you've burdened me with your iniquities. Well, and, and, and I think it's significant that, you know, and obviously this is a tradition that we read mm-hmm. this section along with the portion of, of Leviticus mm-hmm. chapter 1, verse 1, 
through um, let's see, it's through, you know that's this is the portion for Vaikra, which is mm-hmm. Leviticus one one through five twenty six, which is the central section in the entire Torah on the sacrifices, mm-hmm. and so they chose whoever set up this tradition chose these verses, um, really as 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 a you know okay yes we've got to bring sacrifices but it's not just about sacrifices amen um, and you know the, the sacrifice is in fact most sacrifices have nothing to do with sin mm-hmm. most sacrifices in Leviticus are uh, sacrifices that were bought by, brought by the priests um, and it wasn't for the individual who had sinned against God mm-hmm. and um, you know and there's this theme that we're going to come back to again and again and again in the mm-hmm. prophet pearls because it's in the prophets I don't know that we need to talk too much at length about it here, but this theme that comes again and again and again, which is that God wants obedience, not sacrifices. And it's not that sacrifices aren't commanded in the Torah. There are certain rituals that will be carried out when the Messiah comes, according to Ezekiel. We read that Mm -hmm. in uh, one of the Ezekiel sections. It's in chapters 40 through 48 of Ezekiel. There will be sacrifices at the end time, and some of those will be for sin offerings, but, but... but that is only once there's obedience. If there's no obedience, you know, he doesn't want it. You know, I That's always think of it this about. way. I always think of it this way. I think of the sacrifice as being um, um, an overflow of what's happening in the heart. Here's what you do. I think of the story of Cain and Abel. Yeah. You know, Abel comes and he brings his, his uh, offering. Cain brings his offering. People argued, oh, it was the wrong offering. No, they're, they're both legitimate offerings. But it was how it was that it was brought. What was the heart? What was going on on the inside? And that's, and that's what God says to him. He says, if, yeah. you, if you do well, there if will you be do forgiveness. Well, there will not be forgiveness. Yeah. If you not do well, if mm-hmm. you not don't do goodness, then there's going to be sin crouching at the door. Right. Um, got to. I love verse twenty-five. Honestly, we could read verse twenty-five and and we'd be done. Yes. Um, it says, "I'm going to read it in Hebrew." Anochi, anochi, who. Mm-hmm. I, even I, that's how your English has it, yes, right? Yeah. I, even I. It's the word, just the, it's just the word anochi, I, twice, as an mm-hmm. extra emphasis. I, I am the one who erases your your transgressions mm-hmm. for my sake. Isn't mm-hmm. that beautiful? It is. God erases our transgression for uh, his sake. And I love the word for erases here is moche, which is literally to blot out. Mm-hmm. Um, now, people hear all the time about blotting out. What does that mean? So back then, they didn't have... Um, they didn't have erasers. Mm-hmm. They didn't, you know. I don't even know if the young generations know what whiteout is. Did you have whiteout in your generation? Yeah, of course. That's how you make yeah. the paper, you right? The, so yeah. the British call it tipex. Yeah, um, it, it's where you take like this material and you put it, and it, it, it's actually white paint or something like that mm-hmm. that covers the mistake. Um, they didn't have that in ancient times. What they did is they would write on parchment, and um, when you wanted to get rid of a word that you, if you wrote the wrong word, or let's say you had a debt, this is this is actually the image here. Mm-hmm. There is a certificate of debt, and the debt says. Keith owes Nehemiah $300. So it says it in the letter, and there are witnesses who sign it. And then when Keith pays the debt, what happens is there needs to, you don't just tear it up because then there's no record. How do we know that it was paid? So what happens is the scribe comes along with water, and he puts the water on the ink where it says the debt is owed, and he dissolves the ink. Mm-hmm. And that is... That's literally what to blot out means. To blot out in, in biblical Hebrew, this word is it a word that implies water to mm-hmm. dissolve the ink. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, I, even I am the one who uh, who blot out, literally who, who dissolve with water your transgression for my sake. So there's a certificate of debt that God has against us for our transgressions. Mm-hmm. And God is going to, he's the one, mm-hmm. no other, him. He's the one who's going to blot it out. For, uh, for his sake, and he says, lo is kol, and your uh, transgressions, your sins, literally, I will not mention. Mm. I will not remember as well. It could mean, wow, that's yeah. awesome. So God's saying, you think you need sacrifices? You think you need this blood? You think you need this, um, you know, this incense? This, you know, the, the the slaughtering of sheep? This is not what it's about. Mm. I'm the one who's gonna gonna uh, blot out your your transgression, not the sheep. 
not the not the incense, not the fat of the of the sacrifice. It's mm. going to be me. So you got to deal with me. Amen. Don't hide behind your sacrifice. Now do me a favor, Nehemiah. Yeah. I want you to look at something while I, I make a comment on this. I want you to go sure. to uh, Anochi Anochi. See yeah. how many times that oh, shows okay. up. And while you're doing that, one of the things I would like to share with people this is uh, this this verse really um, connects to a verse that for me for the longest time has been uh, such an amazing verse that I could hard to wrap my mind around it. It's in Psalm uh, 103.12, I think it is. It's in Psalm 103.12. And it says, as far as the east is from the west, so far has I have I removed. And I think it's mm-hmm. the idea of, of as far as east from the west. And I think to myself, 12? yeah, I believe it's 103.12. It might be different in yours. Yeah. Um, as far as the east and the west. But what I wanted you to look for is how many times... Has, he has removed our transgressions. Yes, removed yeah. our transgression. Anochi, anochi. Yeah, so three times we have anochi, anochi. Okay. Twice is in the passage that, that we're reading. Once mm. in 43.11, once in 43.25. Mm. And the third time is Isaiah 51.12. Amen. And so this is clearly a, a phraseology that you know is, is appearing in, in this part of Isaiah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty cool. So, But I think what's interesting, he says, as far as the east is from the west. And I used, used to put my try to put my mind around what that means. And that just means it's you can't... How far Actually, will it be 40, yeah, 4311 is in the previous section that we're not getting to. It's yeah. in the prophecy we skipped, where he says, I, Anochi Anochi Yehovah, I, even I am Yehovah, and beside me, besides mm-hmm. me, there is no Savior. Mm-hmm. I love we're gonna get We're going to get further into that yeah. also. So yeah, this tra- removing transgression east from west, it's going to be that far away. Mm-hmm. As far as we can possibly conceive as human beings, yeah. uh, he's going to remove our sins. Well, now, well, no, let me say this, though. So yeah. I know we're going to do 26, but 27 is, is really connected. It says, put me in remembrance, let us argue our case together, state your cause, that you may be proved right. Then he does this really weird thing. It's not really so weird when you read it in Hebrew. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Your first forefathers sinned. <laughs> and now here's the connection. And your spokesman, it says here in the NASB, mm. have transgressed against me. Well, now, can you read that? There's it's, so much to talk about yes, in this verse. Yes. Let's take it one thing at a time. Yes. Uh, it's he's you have your your forefathers. Yeah, yeah, your that's first really, forefather. Your first four that's really interesting because um this is um this, what translation is this? That's NASB, NASB, which yes. is a Christian translation, am I right? Would yes. you say that? Meaning mm-hmm. this wasn't translated by Jews, was it? Um, and in the in the Hebrew, it doesn't say your forefathers; it says your first father. Yep. Um, which is, let me just see if there are other translations that agree with what it says in Hebrew. I'm, you know, I don't know. Let's see, JPS, which is the Jewish Publication Society, has your earliest ancestor sinned. Yeah. And it's in the singular; there is no plural. Mm-hmm. The thy first father hath sinned in the King James. And in the Hebrew, it's very definitive. It's avicha. Your fathers would be avotecha, your fathers. And here it's the one father. And um, it's very interesting. We have this concept here. Uh, what is it? Who's the first father that sinned? Yeah. Well, is it talking about Abraham? Yeah. I mean, is Maybe it, it's is talking it Jacob? About, is, it, is it Abraham? I think is it's it, got to be Adam. It's got to be Adam. And then here's the interesting thing. Um, if you were coming from the Christian perspective, you could take this and say, this is original sin. Mm-hmm. Um, but we definitely have this concept in, in, in the Tanakh that you know that you know each person is really responsible for his own actions. That's the Tanakh concept. But mm-hmm. but there's no question that all humans are going to suffer today from the sin of Adam. And why is that? Because Adam was commanded, "Don't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil," mm-hmm. and he was never commanded not to treat, eat of the tree of life. Exactly. That's not in there. That's exactly. in, the, in the rabbis actually say that. I don't know if you mm-hmm. know that, mm-hmm. but um, that's what I was taught growing up. That he was commanded to eat not from both, not from one tree, but from both trees. But actually, in the Hebrew, in the, in the original Tanakh, in the Torah, it's only, he's only forbidden to eat from the tree of knowledge, not from the tree of life. And he, eventually, it's possible he would have eaten from that tree of life and lived forever. But mm-hmm. instead, he chose to violate God's commandment, and that is a picture. 
that's a picture of the Torah, which is, you know, through the Torah, we have this opportunity to once again eat from the tree of life and live forever. Um, and I'm not just making that up. That's in Proverbs 3.18. It says, it's a very famous verse. It's sung in the synagogue. It is a tree of life to those who grab hold of it. The Torah, did you Proverbs used to sing that? I did. Are you serious? Yeah, and yes. Um, <laughs> it, you know, so here's an example where... Um, where we have this idea in in uh, in um, in the you know in Genesis, and then it's sort of explained in Proverbs that the Torah itself is the tree of life, and that's of course in Deuteronomy. It mm-hmm. talks about I place before you the you know the the choice between life and death, good and evil. Choose life that you may live. So um, so we definitely have this idea that yes, Adam sinned, and therefore we're on the line. Mm-hmm. I've got to you know I can't just go eat from the tree. I've got this. I've got to you know now I have, but I get a second chance, yes. and my second chance is by eating from the tree of life, which is the Torah. Um, and uh, so it's interesting. He says here, your first father uh, sinned, and it says umilitzecha pashubi, and your what did you have there? For Militzecha, you had your, uh, what did you have there? Spokesmen. Your spokesmen. Have transgressed against me. I love it. Yes. Your your spokesmen have transgressed against me. Um, So, yeah. So so here the King James has your teachers. Mm -hmm. The NJPS, the Jewish Publication Society, has your spokesmen. Is that what you're reading, spokesmen? Yes, it says, and your spokesmen, yeah. Okay, but that's an NASB. Oh, that's a two translation of the spokesmen. So literally, Melitz in Hebrew is an interpreter. Mm -hmm. Your interpreters have transgressed against me. And the place we find this word is in Genesis 42, verse 23. Mm-hmm. And it talks about the brothers are standing before Joseph, who is the viceroy of Egypt. <clears throat> and they don't realize that it's Joseph. They don't. They think it's some Egyptian. He's dressed like an Egyptian. He looks like an Egyptian. Mm-hmm. He's speaking Egyptian. And so they're talking amongst themselves in Hebrew. <clears throat> and it says, And they did not know that Joseph heard, literally, or understood Benotam, for there was a interpret for the interpreter was between them. Mm-hmm. In other words, the brothers would speak in Hebrew, and the interpreter would translate that into Egyptian. Mm-hmm. Um, Joseph would speak in Egyptian, and the translator would translate that into Hebrew. So their brothers are talking amongst themselves, not realizing Joseph knows what they're saying because uh, they don't need the translator because mm-hmm. um, he doesn't need the translator. He speaks Hebrew, and um, and that so that's what a melitz is. Melitz is not a mm-hmm. spokesman; it's mm-hmm. actually an interpreter, mm-hmm. and he's saying here your interpreters have transgressed against me. And, and I wish you had you know, waited uh, to talk about this whole issue of we need the rabbis to know what's in the Torah because mm-hmm. they are the militzim. They are the interpreters. They are the translators. And um, the translators aren't always reliable. The interpreters aren't always reliable. That's the message here, that there were people even back then who maybe weren't translating it from uh, you know, I don't know, from Hebrew into some other language, but they were translating the Torah into the into the daily lives of the people. Mm-hmm. And God is saying those translators who are telling you, here's what the Torah really means. Mm-hmm. Those were people who had transgressed against God. Mm-hmm. And he's the people he's calling to task. Um, and what and, and this to me is is a warning that we must not blindly follow what the interpreters do. And, and, and what's the message here? The message here is um, God is saying, let's get rid of these interpreters. Let's get rid of these intermediaries. Mm-hmm. And that's another translation of the word melitz is intermediary. Mm-hmm. Um, God's saying, I don't want to have the situation where there's a translator, the interpreter, the intermediary between me and you. I want this direct interaction with you because the interpreter, they might transgress against me and lead you astray. Mm-hmm. And I love the picture of Joseph. He's sitting on the throne mm-hmm. and the 11 brothers are standing around or 10 brothers, how many there were then? And they're talking amongst themselves and they can't interact 
interact directly with Joseph. They've got to have this intermediary, this interpreter. Mm -hmm. And God's saying, let's cast out the intermediary, cast out the interpreter. I want to talk to you directly Mm -hmm. because those interpreters have transgressed against me. And isn't it it amazing, though, that part just human nature that that says, you know, and we go back to the mountain where we see God speaks and the people say, hey, we don't want to hear it from him. (laughs) Sometimes if we hear from him, it's overwhelming. And so what do they say? Right. You know, you speak, you speak to him. He'll speak to you. And again, we we hear the story about the fact that that was, that was the right thing that needed to happen. But the beauty is that now we can go and we can hear the Torah Torah for our, we can hear exactly what Moses heard. Imagine that. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? It's not just Moses coming out and saying, Oh, you don't need to know what this is. Just trust me. Yeah. This is the application of the commandment. You don't need to worry. Don't worry. You're pretty little hut about it here. No, I can read the Torah and hear exactly what Moses heard. He recorded it word for word. That's how powerful the Torah is. And why would I want to go and hear what the interpreter, what the translator has to say when I can go and hear it for myself? And here's, here's where I know that there's a lot of people that are listening that do get so frustrated because they think, well, how will I be able to understand it? Because I'm reading through this translation. I'm reading through that translation. And that's one of the things that I've really been dealing with, Nehemiah, the last couple of years is mm-hmm. how to help people get a chance to interact with it as, it as it was written. And, you know, there are lots of challenges. There are issues that we have to deal with, grammatic issues, grammatical issues and things like that. But I think with where we're at in society right now, there's so many wonderful tools that people can use. And I want to help. And I know that this is something you and I have talked a lot about is being able to give people that, that access to the information. You just did an amazing study um, this last uh, last week, which is now a few weeks ago. And you were talking about um, this whole issue of um, people praying to Jupiter. There's big controversy about the name Yahweh back and forth. But what I loved about what you did is when you talked about the sources, you said, here's the source. And then the people could go and check that source. Right. You could disagree with me, but go look for yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think, again, I want to keep beating this drum that, that, again, in this passage, he's talking about, look, here's what happened with the the, the interpreter. You know, the interpreter transgressed to get me. But isn't isn't it wonderful that we actually can interact with this information. And so I want to continue to do what I can to help people get the, the tools to do that. I know that's also been what you did. And the most controversial thing you ever did uh, 13 years ago was say, okay, here's the access to the information. And then for me to make the choice, do I want to go through that process? And I want to create ways for people to stay, kind of have that same process, maybe not the same you know, abusive process where you were so tough on me. <laughs> you were wasn't abusive. You was a hard, you were like, <laughs> I'm a tough teacher. Look, so I, but, but, yeah. but let me say, yeah. there are ways for people to learn. And, and as we go through Prophet Pearls this, in the next few weeks, I'm going to try to give people some, uh, some hints towards how we're going to do that. But I really do think this is a beauty of what we're trying to do, Nehemiah, is to give yeah. people a chance to empower learn. Empower people with yeah, information. That's what my ministry is all yeah. about. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, you know, you, you mentioned that study I did on Jupiter, and what I really did is I said, "Here are the sources. Go check it out for yourself." Right. And look, you can look at those sources and say, "I don't think that's what they say. I don't agree with you," and that's fine. This just this morning, I got a, a long epistle, very long email from a gentleman who had listened to the study, and he said, "Look, here's why I can't accept you know this, this, and that." And he starts talking about these prepositions and the vowels of the prepositions, and I was so blessed. I think he's wrong, but I was so <laughs> I was I was so blessed. Because he had listened to what I had to say, he went and checked the sources, and you know he came to his own conclusions. And I'd rather somebody do that, even if they end up disagreeing with me and being wrong, than to blindly accept what I say. Mm-hmm. Because really, it's it's not about me; it's about the Creator of the universe. Mm-hmm. And, and and that's the thing, you know. What, what some people will do is they'll say, you know, 
This is what our holy sages say. This is what our holy rabbis say. And there's really nothing to check or, or, or to, um, yeah. to, um, you know, to, to employ, uh, you know, independent thinking, you know, based on what scripture says, because they don't give you any reasoning or any sources. They just, they just stuff it down your throat and you've got to accept it. Well, you have got no choice. And, and I love the next verse, verse 28. He says, and I will, and I will desecrate Sare Kodesh, the holy ministers, the holy officers, so you know we've got these people who have presented themselves as we're the we're the holy rabbis. You have to accept what what I say, mm-hmm. and God prophesies that He will desecrate them. That He will, um, you know, He doesn't mm-hmm. want this intermediary between us. Can, can I share something that happened in, in you know that that for me was kind of a formative experience? Um, it was something I encountered. It's actually something my father said, which was really profound. He was a rabbi, an Orthodox rabbi. He definitely didn't agree with uh, you know what I teach about the rabbis, obviously. But he once explained something to me really interesting. You've got this concept in rabbinical Judaism of 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 how power, which illustrates how powerful this interpreter, this intermediary is. And and the idea is, if you come into a situation in your life where you don't know what to do. You don't know how to apply the commandments. And really, it might go either way. Then what you're supposed to do is go ask a rabbi. And whatever answer that rabbi gives you, uh, and of course, it's got to be an orthodox rabbi who's you know ordained by another rabbi. Whatever answer that rabbi gives you, according to my father of blessed memory, the way he described it, it's as if that answer was the word of God for you. And what does that mean? Which is a really powerful statement. Before you go any further, yeah. just want to be cl- let me do it clear. I'm going to slow you down a little bit here. So... Your father, who who was an Orthodox rabbi, is teaching you and he's telling you that if you get into a situation where you don't know the answer, a practical life circumstance right. or something like that, right. you go to the rabbi and you get the answer. Right. But when you get the answer, that answer is binding. It's 100% binding. And the phrase he uses as if that's the word of God. Now, wait. You. Now, is this something your father just made up or is this no, something I mean, he read? This, this, is, this is a pretty is standard from, teaching. That I don't know if that... You know, that phraseology was his or, or other people's. But definitely this is a very standard idea that when that you have this whole actual literature in, in, the, in um, rabbinical history called responsa. Responsa is when you ask a formal question of the rabbi, it's usually in writing, and he gives you a formal answer. And that formal answer is binding on you. You cannot go ask another rabbi, even though you may know another rabbi will give you a different answer. Um, we should have asked that first, that other rabbi in the first place. <laughs> um, okay. But once you get the formal answer from the rabbi, it's binding on you. And you don't have to think anymore. You might say, oh, man, I don't know if I should do this. I'm not sure I feel right doing this. And I'll just give you an example, uh, like a very trivial example, that, trivial example, the type that rabbis will bring. You know, I'm, I'm cooking soup for 500 people. And, um, you know, and, and, and it's Friday afternoon before Shabbat and a fly falls in the soup and I can't find the fly. And it sounds like a ridiculous thing, but this happens in real life. Well, flies are not biblically permissible. Do I spill out, you know, 500 liters of soup or, you know, 500 gallons of soup or do I, or however much it is, or do I, uh, or, or do I continue to cook it and serve it and tell people if you come across the fly, don't work, you know, don't eat it. But otherwise, we're not going to worry about that. So that's something you go and ask a rabbi, and that's actually the type of question that people ask. And like, if you go to yeshivas around the world where they cook for hundreds of people or do Orthodox Jewish caterers, they deal with this type of thing on a daily basis. This is not so a hypothetical they ask the situation. question. They get the answer, and the rabbi ask- may go, come and look at the soup, and he'll say no. Uh, you got to spill the whole thing out, or no, you don't. And different rabbis may get diff- different answers depending on the situation, um, and um, depending on all kinds of factors and, and considerations and situations. But whatever the answer the rabbi gives, you can't go shop and go to another rabbi. It's binding upon you as if it's the word of God. That, mm. That's the doctrine, the teachings of the rabbis. Um, and I had this, uh, you know, story that happened in, I, when I went to a Jewish high school, an Orthodox Jewish high school, and there was this couple there, and the guy he got the girl pregnant, and it happens to be that they were. Um, stepbrother and sister. And so they went and asked the rabbi, what, can we have an abortion? And the rabbi said, no. 
And really, that should have been the end of the story. What they did, though, was something really controversial for the Orthodox world. They went and asked the second rabbi. And this is a new. This is something the story people are. are oh, everybody in Chicago from my generation knows who these people are. I'm not going to say who they are, but everybody knows the story. Um, so they got the they got the abortion based on the opinion of the second rabbi. And the sin in the rabbinical community wasn't so much that they got the abortion, but that they disobeyed the te- the instruction of the first rabbi. And obviously people were upset they got the abortion too. But the real issue there was that they disobeyed the first rabbi because for them, it was as if that was the word of God. And they went and defied that word. And to me, this is exactly what it's speaking about here in Isaiah 43, verse verse, uh, verse 27. Uh, Your first father sinned. Um, and to me, maybe it's not the first Adam that it's talking about. It's, it, you know, and yours translates it as ancestors or fathers. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have this idea in Hebrew of the collective singular meaning an entire category of people here perhaps being referred to as father. And um, and what it tells me is don't blindly follow rabbis and, and interpreters, these intermediaries, just because my ancestors did. Just because my ancestors blindly followed what these rabbis had to say doesn't mean that it applies, you know, that I have to. And you might say, oh, well, Isaiah's not talking about that. He's talking about, you know, what was going on in his day. But actually, what was he talking about? He was talking about the priests at the high places or even mm-hmm. the priests at the temple who were sinners. Mm-hmm. The priests at the temple would say, you know, yeah, you've got to come worship the sun image. And, you know, we hear that in the time of Josiah, that there were, there were idols actually in the temple itself. Um, so there might be these intermediaries, these interpreters who were in the, their day as well. And they were told, look, you can't just go and, and follow what you re- heard read you know six years ago in the public reading in the Torah, you've got to mm-hmm. obey what the rabbi says. You don't know what it means. You don't have the right to interpret it yourself. You can't understand it by yourself. Mm-hmm. You need the rabbi. You need the interpreter. And God mm-hmm. says, let's get rid of these interpreters. They mm-hmm. sinned against me. They've transgressed against me. I don't want them standing between me and you. I'm going to desecrate them mm-hmm. in verse 28. Well, then when you get to 44.1, this is one of my one yeah. of the verses that I just, I really, really love this verse because it reminds me of who he is, and not only who he is, but how he deals with us. It says, but now listen, and he uses the word Shema, just like in Deuteronomy. Listen, O Jacob, my servant, and Israel whom I have chosen. Then it says, thus says Yehovah who made you and formed you from the womb, who will help you do not fear. And whenever I see that word form, I was reminded over and over and again, we see this example of him being the one who's the potter. You know, he takes the clay and, he's, and, he, and he takes the, the people and he begins to mold them and shape them and, and, and do all these wonderful Where do you things. get that from this word? No, no, no. I'm saying the idea. <coughs> I'm sorry. So for when, I, when I see this, first of all, I say, okay, is this, is this the same word? So then I go same to Isaiah 44, too. Yeah. And I say it's the word uh, the, the form, the yotzer, the one who's forming. In other um, words, the, li- the literal meaning of this word "to form" is to uh, to form a pot. Exactly, uh, uh, you know, for exactly. a potter forming a pot out of exactly. Play. So the idea, though, when I see this, I'm all, I'm just reminding myself. I want to slow down a little bit because what I've seen in my process is that um, he's taken a pot of clay, me, yeah. and and he's and, and at different times he's had to push some parts of me in and and polish some other parts of me, and I'm still in the process. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm clay in the process. And I think, again, that's why this whole process of us sharing the Word of God is a bit of humility for me. I don't see us as a finished product. I don't see that somehow I've got all the wisdom and knowledge and understanding, and I can just give this, and now you can just follow that. But that all of us would take the process of being formed, that Yehovah himself would say, but now listen, here's what you did. Here's what was going on. But now listen, Jacob, my servant, Israel, whom I've chosen, thus says Yehovah, who made you and who formed you in the womb, who who literally took you piece by piece, and he's he's shaping you. He says, and, and he was says, and he, who will help you? Do not fear, O Jacob, my servant. And then comes this word that I don't know how you're going to get get me past this word. 
And then it says, now can I can I give it in English? Sure. Okay. It says, who is who do not fear, O Jacob, my servant, and you Jeshrun, whom I have chosen. Jeshrun is what you got. That's what it has. Jeshrun. Now what do you have in your, in your I have Yeshurun. Yeshurun. Now is there I don't know, you're not gonna probably allow this as the word of the week. I don't know if you even We could do this as the word of the week. This is a really sure, interesting absolutely. thing. Like, how are you supposed to know what this is? Yeah, so I mean so uh, it's interesting that you say that because uh, I grew up uh in West Rogers Park in, in Chicago, and the synagogue where we used to pray when I was very young was called Yeshurun. Really? Yeah, it was the name of the synagogue. No, okay, it, so tell us about was, this. It was across the, you know, there was a park, and, and on the other side of the park was mm. the synagogue. And um, Yeshurun, and, whom I've chosen, it says. Right. Well, okay, so tell course, us who the, And we knew Yeshurun is a, name for, is, is a nickname for Israel. You know, tell us through the process. How do you mean you knew that? Meaning it was, it was like, it's the name how, of the synagogue. How, how, do the people, how do the people know that? We just know. <laughs> but in Hebrew, you see the similarity. You see yeah. the connection. Yes. So, for first of all, Yeshurun appears um, four times in the Tanakh. Deuteronomy yes. 32, 15 is the first uh, example. It says, And Yeshurun grew fat and he kicked, etc., mm-hmm. etc. Deuteronomy 33, 5. Um, and there was in Yeshurun a king. And then Deuteronomy 33, 26, um, there is none like the God of Yeshurun. And it's very clear that this is referring to Israel. And Isaiah 44, 2 is actually the only time outside of the Torah, outside of Deuteronomy that it yes. appears. Um, so how do we get from Israel to Yeshurun? Well, Israel in Hebrew is Yisrael. Yes. And you say Yeshurun um, is a poetic poetic form of it. But what's the connection? So they're both um, have, they, they both appear, they're visually similar in Hebrew, even though they don't sound similar. And specifically, the root of um, of uh, well, what, what is the root of the name Israel? It's mm-hmm. it's Sarar, Sin Leishlesh, which means to strive, to struggle, maybe to wrestle. And the 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 root of the word Yishurun is Yud Shin Resh, mm-hmm. which means straight or yes. honest, inte- integral, to have integrity. Um, often we'll hear the word integrity in the English, and the word is Yashar in Hebrew. Yashar, Yashar. Yud Shin Resh. Yeah, right. When you drive on the, on the roads in Israel, and <laughs> yashar, it yashar, zigzags yashar. all over the place, but you're staying on the same road. You say Yashal, Yashal, Kolazman, Yashal. Mm-hmm. Straight, straight, the whole kind of straight. It's called straight, even though the road turns because you're on the same road. Because um, Jerusalem is mountainous. Um, so uh, Yeshurun is literally the straight one, mm-hmm. um, the the one of in, the, per, the the one of integrity. But the connection is because Yisrael and Yeshurun both have the three letters Yud Shin Resh. Yes. Now here's where it gets a little complicated. Yisrael is Yud Sin Resh, mm-hmm. and this is Yud Shin, Shin. Resh. Mm-hmm. Now you say, wait a minute, they're not from the same root. One is Sin Resh Resh, and the other is Yud Shin Resh. They're linguistically not connected, and that's a hundred percent true. Meaning if you go and you look at a grammar and a dictionary, if you even ask an ancient Israelite, are these from the same root? They'd say, no, of course not. Um, one is straight and one is to struggle, to strive. Um, however, they sound similar. Uh, and in fact, obviously, in certain dialects of Hebrew, I say obvious, but maybe it's not to some people. The sheen and the seen were both sound pronounced the same. For example, for the Ephraimites, they both pronounced. Sibilet and Sibilet. Right. So, <laughs> so, so uh, an Ephraimite would have said not Yishurun, but Yisurun. But the other Israelites were able to distinguish those sounds. But they were similar enough that... That there could be this play on words, and a play on words in Hebrew, uh, um, uh, a nickname like this is is often not based on what we would expect from a modern linguistic derivation, a modern grammatical explanation, but it's based on something that sounds similar. An example I love is Jabez. Mm-hmm. In Chronicles, it says he's called Jabez because he was born in, in sorrow. And if you look in the Hebrew, the word sorrow and the word Jabez, um, one is ayin, uh, ayin yabetz, is ayin bet sadi, and the other is ayin sadi bet. The letters are actually switched. What's going on? It sounded close enough for somebody to make mm-hmm. that, give that name explanation. Mm-hmm. And here it's close enough that this could be a nickname. Now here's where it's really interesting to me. 
Um, you know, we've got this uh, situation with the name Yudhe Bhavhe where people say, we don't know the vowels. The vowels have been lost. Mm-hmm. And then they come up with the explanations of what the name is. Is it Yahweh uh, or is it Yahuwah? Or, and often it's going to begin Yah because we know in Hallelujah, that's the poetic, say poetic. Poetic. It's the poetic form of the Father's name, Yah. As in Hallelujah or Kesiah, the we have the first time in, in Exodus, mm-hmm. it's the um, the uh, the throne of Yah, and, and no, and, and the poetic form is not disputed. Meaning, those who who know Hebrew, I should say, have never disputed the poetic form because it was never forbidden to speak. It was only the full form Yudhevavhe, which was which was uh, forbidden. Mm-hmm. Um, now, imagine if all you had was the poetic form of the name, and you came up with Yahweh. That's that, you know. Now let's apply that to Israel. Let's say we didn't know how to pronounce Yisrael. Exactly. Let's say there was a superstition in ancient Israel in which and it didn't happen. But imagine if there was a superstition in ancient Israel where they said you cannot say the name Yisrael. Right. You must only call her Jacob. And so we come to the letters, Yud, Sin, Resh, Aleph, Lamed, and we say, we don't know how to say it. Let's figure out how to say Yisrael, Yud, Sin, Resh, Aleph, Lamed. And you, did, you had no idea, mm-hmm. except you knew that the nickname was Yishurun. Mm-hmm. So then you would, you would maybe perhaps very logically say, oh, Yishurun, and mm-hmm. we've got these three yes. letters. It should be Yishurul, mm-hmm. Yishurul. And that's not a joke, mm-hmm. Yishurul. Um, as opposed to you know um, Israel. Israel, yes. right? Yeah. And and the thank thank the creator of the universe that the name Israel was not forgotten in the pronunciation of Hebrew, and there's no dispute about it. Um, but if there were, we might end up with people who we'd have the Yishuru people, Yishuru people, people, and we'd have the Yashara people, and then somebody and we'd have would the come along and people. say, and somebody come along and say, after looking in the ancient Hebrew manuscripts, I actually found some examples. Where we see Yisrael, and they'd say, "No, no, we can't look at that because, because those are the vowels." We've got to go listen to the Samaritans, <laughs> yeah. and we've got to go listen to the, the <laughs> exactly. Greeks and the uh, you know yeah. these various other you yeah. know the church fathers, the Christians, and and I say, let's look at the Hebrew manuscripts, and thankfully we know how to say Yisrael and Yishurun, and they don't actually sound all that similar That's to us, maybe example. in English, but in That's Hebrew they're example. they're very very similar. And we can't just look at a, the poetic form of a name. We've got to see how it was actually preserved in the Hebrew manuscripts. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. There so is. here we go. So 44.3 says, For I shall pour out water on the thirsty and streams on the dry ground. And then I, I, don't, I don't know why this kind of stuff just gets me. And then and in, in the next phrase says, For I shall pour out my spirit on your offspring and my blessing on your descendants. Now, I thought we were going to talk about the Tanakh. Why are you reading to me from the New Testament? No, I'm reading right out of Isaiah chapter 44, verse God's going to pour out his he spirit says, upon Israel, pour upon out the my Jews. spirit upon your offspring and my oh, blessing. And Come you know, on it's interesting. It says, it says, it says, I will pour out water and streams. I will yeah. pour out spirit and blessing. Like when I read that, I yeah. just, you know, I see, I see what's happening. It's like, the blessing is the spirit, you know, the stream. Well, he's going to pour it out like exactly, water, like That's water. Absolutely. And so, and this one will say, I am Yehovah's and that one will call on the name of Yaakov and another will write on his hand. And this is another example. Yeah. I'm not only going to let you talk about this or not. You'll go on and on. But, uh, <laughs> it says that this one will say, I am the Lord's and they will say, we'll call on the name of Jacob and another will write on his hand belonging to Yehovah and will name Israel's name. With honor. I mean, whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. No, and he will be called by the name Israel. Uh-huh, he'll be called by the name Israel. Right. So wait a minute. So who are these people who are going to be called by the name Israel? Presumably it's people who aren't part of Israel who are going to mm-hmm. come mm-hmm. and they're going to say, look, i got to be part of this. Yes. I've got to be called Israel. I need to embrace the God of Israel and I need to... Uh, and why would they write on their hand Yehovah? And, and we don't know for sure. Um, but one explanation is that in ancient times, a slave would write on they, they would write on his hand the name of his master. So yep. if he ran away, they'd grab his hand and they'd say, "Oh, you belong to you know um, uh, Josiah. We're going to take you back to Josiah." Go to Isaiah forty nine sixteen down there. Yeah, Isaiah forty nine sixteen. Yep. And so here, in any event, the person is writing on his hand belonging to Yehovah to indicate, "Look, I'm Yehovah's. I'm his. I'm his mm-hmm. servant." Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Okay, Isaiah 49, 16. You want to read it? No, go ahead. You I want me to read it? Yeah. Um, so in the JPS, see, I have engraved you on the palms of my hand. Your walls yes. are ever before me. I mm-hmm. think this is actually a passage we're going to get to in one of the sections. Okay. So let's save that discussion. That's a really interesting discussion. Yeah. But yeah, we have this other idea. Um, anyway, I think that's a separate thing. But mm-hmm. when I was in Kathmandu, and you know this story, um, go to my website, nechemiaswal.com. There's a study there on shaving, but it actually also talks about tattoos. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I did in Kathmandu is, I, uh, is they, were, they have this thing where they do these temporary tattoos called henna. And I would have argued with you if you'd done it. So I went and I had them write in henna, temporary tattoo, it lasts about two or three weeks. I had them write belonging. Well, they weren't able to write belonging, but they wrote Yehovah based on this verse. And it was such a blessing. I was I was walking around Kathmandu for a few days and people that would stop me all over and they'd say, wow, you know, we see these... Um, you know, we see the henna tattoos all the time, and they're usually dedicated to the various gods, but we've never seen anything like this. Hebrew writing, um, well, they didn't know it was Hebrew writing. They said, what is this? And I said, this is the name of my God. And they said, well, who's your God? I said, he's the God of Israel, the God of the Jews, the Yehovah, the creator of heaven and earth. And, and, and I've told this story before, and, and it really excites me. I, um, you know, I had these two people who said, can you bless us in the name of this God? <laughs> and I recited over them the priestly blessing with Yehovah inscribed upon my arms. Wow. But that was pretty Amazing. cool. But there's Amazing. a great discussion over there in Nehemiaswall.com about the whole issue of tattoos. And go read it. Okay. Awesome. Now, do you want to take a, take a moment to talk about uh, the ministry? Do you want to? You, sure. Well, you go, go ahead. You go first. No, go ahead. You're right in. You're in the, you're in the, you're in the flow of it. Well, so, I mean, this is what it's about for me. It's empowering people with it. My ministry is Makor Hebrew Foundation. Makor is the Hebrew word for source. And it's about for me getting to the source. Um, you know, it also means the source of uh, a, a spring of water because mm-hmm. it's a source of water. And here, you know, Yehovah talks about he's going to pour out his spirit like water. And I want to encourage people and, and, and empower people to when you feel that spirit, mm-hmm. don't do what I did for all those years, which was I'd feel that spirit and I'd be like, no, we can't deal with that. That's not part of my heritage. That's not part of my tradition. That's that's those other people who don't know any better, who don't have the knowledge. So for me, it's not just about information. It is empowering people with information, but also giving you the information so that when you feel that spirit, that you are open to that you're not going to shut the door in God's face, that you're open to uh, embracing that So there's that, that aspect of the ministry. That yeah, absolutely. Really. That's a key part of the ministry. There's information and there is inspiration. And what I've learned from you is when you take information and you take inspiration, then you become open to revelation. Amen. And that's what the ministry is about for me, McCore Hebrew Foundation, NehemiahsWall.com. And uh, yeah, and that's, you know, the, this is what I want to do. I, want, I, I don't want people to come to me and say, Nehemiah. You are the great teacher. Teach us. Mm. Teach us what we should know. I'm not the rabbi. Uh, in fact, I'll have people write to me all the time. Rabbi Gordon, I say, uh, I'm sorry, my father passed away. He won't be able to get this message. But if you have something you want to say to me, mm-hmm. I'm not a rabbi. Um, I am simply someone who, who can, you know, I, I've, I've been blessed with information and had the opportunity to read ancient Hebrew texts and, and to... Uh, and you know to understand ancient Hebrew culture, mm-hmm. and so I want to empower people that, with that information so that they can do it themselves. And I love the image. I keep going back to it. My name is Nehemiah, and I'm named after the guy who lived thousands of years ago, who built the wall. And and it's interesting. He didn't actually build the wall. He stood up there and he uh, set up a situation so that the people could build the wall themselves. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He set it up so that he had the trumpeters to warn the people, and they, but the people actually did it themselves. And they had the building implement one hand and the, and the, and the, and the weapon of defense in the other hand. Mm-hmm. And if the enemy came to attack, then they'd trown, sound the shofar and, um, and the people could defend themselves. Mm-hmm. So you know, it gave them both this, uh, this you know, foundation, but also a defense. And that's what I want to do, empower people with information. Mm-hmm. 
um, so they can build their faith on a solid foundation and build that wall, but also defend their faith, defend the Amen. word of Yehovah. Amen. You know, it's so interesting, Nehemiah, that we're here. And actually, this date, as we mentioned, is uh, the 21st, I believe, 21st of March, yeah. which has a number of things going on, not only the Aviv also. I don't know if you know it or not, but... Um, it's possible that you'll be stuck here on the 22nd because uh, it's uh, possible that the, when the the, uh, the the sun turns dark, uh, that could be the end. It's all oh, over. Oh, so there's you an need, eclipse. No, the day this eclipse, is brought. There's the an day eclipse. Reading, so the day they're reading the, this section in the in, in yes. synagogues around the world, there's an eclipse. Yeah, well, I, this is my thing. I want to talk about eclipse, right? It's my it's, turn to talk about it. I mean, let me talk times. about it. So <laughs> here we are. We're here. We're here. Actually, we're going to be on tour. Uh, BFA is on its third tour. Um, we got people from around the world that are coming, and we actually called it the Signs of the Times tour. Because we knew that this great eclipse was going to take place. And I told people, what better place to be than in Israel when it all goes down? But, you know, it's, it's really kind of funny because we, for the last year, I've been doing, I did a teaching on the four blood moons. And this is one of the big parts of the four blood moons is that you've got the, the, the blood moon that took place at the, 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 the Jewish feast, they call it. And then now you have the first day of the, uh, the the new year, which they're saying now is going to be this solar eclipse, and people are connecting that with the, the super moon that's going to take place in the in the fall feast, and and all of it is, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, uh, an attempt to try to not only help people understand time, but rather to take away God's time and really to put forth something else. So I did a teaching called Four Blood Moons. Uh, Mania. So you're against the blood moons. I, not against the blood moon. I'm I'm for understanding God's time. Okay. And what I think they've done as a result of this whole blood moons is to dramatize and to make it into something that really I don't I can't find. But I did do a teaching and yeah. it's available in our premium content library called the Four Blood Moons. But what I like about what we're doing right now is we're really giving people a chance to what I call interact with it. So in other words, when when you when you hear something, that's one thing. But if you can hear it, see it, and 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 interact with it, what better? way of learning. And so what we do at the BFA uh, International is there's an entire series of now 50 presentations, 50 high quality presentations that have been on Christian television, that have been all over the world, and they're available for people in the premium content library. But even if they don't do that, they can go to BFAinternational.com and interact with a number of things that will help them where they can get to know in this whole inspiration. Now for my little statement. On the 21st, which is going to be the, 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 the sun uh, turning to darkness. If we're here on the 22nd, then I want people to to to, to consider uh, adding a little something more to their toolbox, which is giving them a chance to have some access to some more information, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But the BFA International website is based on one thing, inspiring people around the world to build a biblical foundation for their faith Period. And if people can do that, wow, it won't really matter about what anyone thinks. You can, can look I, at the scripture and, and be able to see it for yourself. Can, can I can I put you on the spot here? Uh-oh. So first of all, I, I'll be honest, I don't really follow the whole blood moon teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, what exactly is expected to happen, if you know? It, depend, I, I, it depends on who you talk to. A, a lot yeah. of people believe that the, the blood moons are an indicator of the end of the days, according to Joel. They would say that okay. the, blood, the moon will turn to blood and the, the sun will turn to darkness. And this is the great and okay. terrible And what's day the, the other people? What do they say? Uh, other people would say it's based on, you know, the blood moons are getting an indicator of what's happening with Israel. So that basically mm. the blood moons have come. Historically, we've seen certain things take place with Israel during the time of the blood moons. Though they're not consistent with that. Yeah. But some of those have happened around But basically, times. if we go through, and correct, like I said, I don't follow this teaching. I, I want to get this straight. If we go through 2015 and nothing really big, major happens, mm. then were they wrong? Well, then they would probably, I think they'll come up with another su- suggestion. Like, okay. Know, maybe this but something is- big is supposed to happen on March 21st, right? Uh, well, no, that's where, well, that's, it's, Am I right? it's, in, the pro- it's in the process. It could be, some people would Look, say. Look, if March 21st is just a regular day, does that mean that they were wrong? Or? 
Like, I, like I'm asking. I don't know. I'm asking. I, I, you know, Nehemia, I, I, I really don't know how far they go. I just know this. I want to know if something big happens on March 21st. There's the the next Yom Kippur War, the next uh, Six Day War. Will you recant your four moons, blood moon teaching? Let me just say this: I'll be here on the 22nd, and and nothing will happen on the 21st. Wait, I, can we? Can I can, can I quote this? Sure. Can I quote this? The 22nd will come and go, as will the 23rd will come and go, and you and I will be in Israel, and there will be nothing that will be of epic proportion that takes place on the 21st. You heard it here first. You heard it here first. Keith Johnson <laughs> is making a prediction. I'm not, not making not, a prediction. Not, well, I'm I, actually I, going against the prediction. <laughs> right. So this is not a prophecy. This no, is a, no okay. it's not a prophecy. This is, this is, See, let me just yeah. tell you something. What I learned in scripture is this, is God has this amazing thing called the universe. Mm. It has patterns and a beautiful, and what we're supposed to do is look at those and be like, wow, isn't he amazing? Look at yeah. what, look, look at the stars, but it's all about him. Yeah. What this does, in my opinion, is it takes it away from him yeah. and it gives it to somebody who says, I've, I've uncovered that this is actually a, a, a Morse code from heaven that's actually going to let us know what's going to happen with say, Israel. From we're going to throw Israel under the bus. And, and I mean, I'm kind of tired of that whole thing. Yeah. I mean, so, look, yeah, I don't, I don't rule out the possibility that when the great and terrible day of Jehovah happens, that it, there will be a blood moon. Oh, we okay. got the verse in Joel, the great. moon will turn to blood. That's awesome. Um, I don't know that it's going to be this, you know, this year. Um, I don't rule it out as a possibility. Um, you know, here's what my perspective, the perspective I'm coming from is I can trace back in Jewish forces, uh, Jewish sources, rather back to the first century that people said, this has to be the timing. It's got to be now. And because of this sign and because of that sign and Jews have been persecuted and suffered for the last 2000 years, every time they did that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I want to be really, really careful here about yes. predicting times and predicting exactly. dates because it always ended in disaster mm-hmm. for, for Jewish people. Having said that. And I I'm wish I something. I'm wait, no, something. I've got to read this to you. So the day I arrived in Israel uh, last week, I picked up one of the free newspapers, mm-hmm. and um, they, they hand out these free newspapers. And in the free newspaper was an ad, a full or a half-page color ad, and it was a prophecy, a prediction by a Jewish uh, organization. Nothing to do with Christians. Nothing to do with Messianics. These were uh, Jews in Israel, and um, and they actually have a website, heaven358.com. I haven't gone to the website, but I read their ad. And in the ad, it says, sunset in the United States, uh, or sorry, I I read that wrong. Uh, It's the same word for sunset. The United States sinks underwater, or the sinking underwater will begin on the 17th of March, 2015. In the day that perhaps the, the, um, the, uh, the, the elections will take place in Israel, and it says, Hashem Kvar Bachar, God, Hashem has already chosen the Messiah. Um, and basically it goes on to explain that, um, and actually specifically it mentions uh, a suit, it says specifically a mega tsunami from, tsunami from Lake Michigan will wash over the area of Chicago on the 17th of March 2015 as part of additional uh, uh, events. Like um, uh, and it says Kimori Dota Dama, like uh, earthquake, uh, uh, severe earthquakes on biblical proportions that will uh, will uh, visit the world, and um, and it's basically this is the end times prophecy. Mm-hmm. It's saying the Messiah is going to come, and the, those events will begin actually after this is broadcast. So um, I think we're going to look back, and, and unless there's a mega, if there's a mega tsunami that uh, washes over Chicago. I'm going to come back and I'm going to say I was wrong and these guys were right. But if not, then, you know, honestly, this is just fear mongering. It really is. Um, it's sad to me that they're fear mongering here. And I can, I can imagine a lot of people coming and this has got nothing to do with Christian, nothing to do with Messianics. This is all in Hebrew, all in an Israeli newspaper. Um, 
So are you going to say so? So you're you're, you're disagreeing with them. It quotes the the famous Kabbalistic rabbi Rav Kaduri. It says Rav Kaduri says this is a prophecy of Rav Kaduri that these things will happen on this exact date. So either Rav Kaduri is a true prophet and this will happen, or he's a false prophet. So I know some people that would say that because he's because he is who he is, then we, we must listen to him. We must follow him. Well, let's listen, and and this there's a biblical way to deal with this. We can listen. And if the mega tsunami doesn't wash over Chicago on March 17th, then Rabbi Kaduri is a false prophet. And with that, let's continue. I wish I could find – and I don't know about investing in things like that, but I understand there's this thing called shorting. Is there any way we can short Rabbi Kaduri? <laughs> <laughs> I need money. We must short Rabbi Kaduri because I'm pretty sure this is not going to happen in Chicago. If it is, if it does happen, I will repent. Okay. Now, I don't know how we're ever going to get through the rest of this. I, I mean, this is like... Wait, and it goes on here in this discussion. It talks about how this is the Shemitah year, so it has to happen this year. It's a whole thing to do with Shemitah. All right. Anyway. Okay. So where are we at here? Uh, we we got to get back to the oh verse. Oh, my gosh. I, I, I'm still thinking about it. it. Will Chicago be washed away? At least I have no family in Chicago. Yeah. So <laughs> they've all left. Um, yeah. All right. 44.6. Yeah, is that where we are? Uh now I will say this, you, you know, you can't, you know, if, I, if all we did was talk about this verse, we would, we would be, uh, we would be in line. Um, but it has this really, really wonderful phrase. Um, it says, it says, thus says Yehovah, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, uh, Lord of hosts, Yehovah Tzavaot, I am the first and I am the last. Mm-hmm. And Amen. there is no God besides me. And I, this verse is such an amazing, it's such an amazing statement. Uh, of who he is, I am the first and I am the last. Uh, there is no one. There is none besides me. Uh, I, what does what does yours say? What, read, read it out of Hebrew if you can. Forty four six. Yeah. Ko amal Yehovah, Melech Yisrael v'Goalo, Yehovah Tzavaot. Thus says Yehovah, the King of Israel and its Redeemer, Yehovah of Hosts. Ani Rishon, I am the first. Va'ani Acharon, and I am the last. And beside me there is no God. God because wow. I just let that, I, I, I leave it that. And then it says wow. in 44. Oh, no, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. How could we not talk about this? Please go ahead. Continue. So, so first of all, I, I, I always um, ask myself, what on earth, is, like, what's the context of this? Mm-hmm. And the context is no question that there was, the, you know, there was this doctrine back in the time of, of you know, Isaiah. Uh, of Isaiah. Well, or specifically the people Isaiah is who is speaking to. Um, you know, he is speaking to Cyrus throughout some of these passages. And Cyrus was a Zoroastrian. And the Zoroastrians to this day, they still, they're still around. And they believe that there were two gods, a good God and an evil God. And they both existed from time immemorial. They always existed. They actually didn't know about each other. They eventually learned about each other and decided to go into a fight to destroy each other. Um, and God here is saying, I am the first and I am the last. And besides me, there is no God. There mm-hmm. is no Elohim. I'm the only Elohim. Yehovah is the first and the last. And he's the redeemer. He's the king. And, and, and look, we, can we talk about this phrase? It's an amazing phrase. He's the first and the last. There is no other God. Um, and so this appears in a number of passages. Mm-hmm. And um, I think we actually looked at one where he said, yep. I, you know, uh, and there was a slight variation in the one that we looked at. But for example, this appears in, um, let's see, where is this? So we have uh, Isaiah forty-eight twelve. He says, listen to me, Jacob, and Israel, who, uh, who is called by me. I am he. I am the first and even I am the last. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've got this in a number of places. Isaiah 44, 6. Uh, thus says Yehovah. Oh, that's this verse. That's one Sorry, verse we're in. That's the verse we're looking at. And the one we looked at before is Isaiah. I don't know if we looked at it before, but I read it. 
uh, in preparing. Isaiah 41.4, he says, I, Yehovah, am the first, and that's a slight variation where it says, I am with the last, yeah. um, which is an interesting statement, uh, meaning you know maybe it's referring to eternal life and he'll be with us in the end time. Um, anyway, so uh, can, can I talk about the, the elephant in the room, mm-hmm. which is that this appears in the New Testament? Okay. So it appears three times in Isaiah, and it also appears three times in Revelation. Um, in some manuscripts, it appears four times. I'm looking at the um, the uh, the New Revised Standard Version, which is based on the Nestle Allen 27th edition. Uh, Revelation 1.8 says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty or the All-Powerful. I love that mm. because that's that's... Wow. I mean, I read that in the book of Revelation. Look, I'm not Christian. I'm not Messianic. This isn't my scripture. But this is Revelation is one of the five books in the New Testament that most scholars or many scholars agree was actually written in Hebrew mm-hmm. um, and then translated into Greek. So when it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, well, Hebrew, Alpha and Omega is the first and last letter of the Hebrew alphabet. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sorry, is the first and last letter of the Greek alphabet. Uh, if in the original Hebrew, it wouldn't have said Alpha and Omega. It would have said, I am the Aleph and the Tav. Mm-hmm. And why would it say that it's the first and last letter? Um, says Lord God. Well, what's Lord God? Lord God is a, is the translation of Adonai Yehovah or Yehovah Elohim. Mm-hmm. It's hard to know which one. Uh, probably Yehovah Elohim. Says the Lord God who is and who was and who is to come, which is exactly the explanation in Jewish sources of the name Yehovah. Amen. Hayah he was, Hoveh he is, Yehiyah he will be. And some mm-hmm. people have said, oh no, this is completely different. Because this has he is to come and not he will be. But actually to come and to be, um, the Hebrew way of expressing it is you say um, will be. And in Greek you would say to come or in English as well. For example, you say and it came to pass. In Hebrew it literally says and it was, mm-hmm. meaning and, mm-hmm. and it came to pass. It, it was, it came, mm-hmm. it came into existence, it happened. Um, so the Greek here uh, has... I am the first and I am the last, or Alpha and the Omega in any event. And then, it, and, and I'm tying that to another verse that is first and last. Um, but here it says, Hayahoveh, <laughs> yeah. Exact explanation. Yehovah yes. is saying, um, well, look, I, I should say the book of Revelation is quoting Yehovah as saying, uh, I am the Alpha and the Omega. And that's in quotation marks. Now, of course, they didn't have quotation marks in the Greek. But it is a quote. It says, says the Lord God. Where did he say it? Mm-hmm. He said it in Isaiah. In Isaiah. <laughs> um, yeah. Revelation 21.6. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water. And, and that's that's Isaiah. It's yep. the same passage in Isaiah. Don't exactly. tell me he's not quoting Isaiah here or, or re- referencing Isaiah. The beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. Amen. This is a, this is a uh, based on the passage in Isaiah. Revelation twenty two thirteen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. And that again ties back to this verse in Isaiah. There's no question that there's a relationship here between the passage in Revelation and the and the passage in Isaiah. And there's a, there's a fourth passage which doesn't appear in some of the manuscripts which is Revelation one eleven. People can look at that for themselves. I think that's the one. Um, hold on a second. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. One eight is a passage that doesn't appear in some of the manuscripts. Mm-hmm. Um, so or it's one of those. I don't know. It's one of these verses. That it, There's only three in... in, in um, anyway, or the, at least the phrase Alpha and Omega doesn't appear. That's right. In uh, the NRSV. So, which is based in the Nestle Allen edition. So anyway, um, yeah, it's Revelation one eleven that appears in some of the manuscripts, not the others. But here we have three times in Revelation, three mm-hmm. times in Isaiah, this mm-hmm. idea of God being the Aleph and the Tav, mm-hmm. the Alpha and the Omega, and uh, the, the first and the last. And um, and then Revelation even explains what every Jew knows, that Yehovah is Hayahoveh. Yeah, he mm-hmm. was, he is, and he will be. 
uh, I'm excited. What happens about what's so interesting whenever I see that verse is that I just remind I'm, again I always make it practical. So he was that means those difficulty parts of my life in the past. He mm-hmm. is yeah. whatever he's dealing with right now. And the thing that's even more more exciting is he shall be. He already knows he, what's yeah. what's up there. You and know, he'll and be with you in the, be, in the future. And, yeah, you're I not alone. Be, that's yes. what the name means, Yehovah. Yeah. You know, he says, "Ehiyeh imach, I will be with you." It's interesting, you know. I mean, we find this phrase over and over again. But where he says, "And I will be with you," tells Joshua, "I will be with you, and I will be with you, and this one, and I will be with you." And it's like they they wouldn't know. Oh boy, it's like. He's saying, I will be with you. That's that's his name. Like, his yeah. name is, I will be with you. Well, and it's also yeah. what Aleph Tav or Alf or, or, exactly. uh, or uh, Rishon and Acharon, first and last, means. Yes. He was from time immemorial, before time existed. Yes. Yes. He will be in the end, and he is the one right now. Amen. It's Amen. not that we had one God who created the world, and he retired. And Acts, actually, by the way, I was recently in, in Nepal yeah. and in Cambodia, and they've got the Hindu religion there. And they actually have this idea of a trinity, where there's three gods that are the same God, but they have three different it's three Aspects. different statues or three different you know names. Mm-hmm. There's the one who created the world. Mm-hmm. There's the one who sustains the world right now. And there's the one who will destroy the world mm-hmm. at the end. Mm-hmm. That's the, the Hindu idea. Um, it's almost like they took the idea from the Tanakh and they perverted it. They corrupted it. Mm-hmm. And they twisted it. It's the same God. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he is the one who is. He is the one who was. He is the one who will be. You know, it's funny. Uh, whenever he I is think about this, I think this phrase, I think about... Uh, a little bit of sports because you know in, in yeah. sports there's this this sort of competitive thing you know they're boxing they're about to be a boxing match and then the one boxer will stand up and say and, and and this is what he did and blah blah and the other one will stand up and say this is what he did and it's funny because the phrase goes on he says I'm the first and the last there is no like there is no God besides me and then he continues he continues in forty four seven who is like me go ahead proclaim it you know yeah. <laughs> you like me tell me about it there's another one who is he <laughs> anyway. I like the phrase. I just, it just, I don't know. I kind of, in, in back in my day, you know, it's like God is 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 letting it be known. Hey, this is who I am. You know. Well, now, is it possible when He says, "Who is like me?" He's really there's a secret meaning here that there is someone else like Him. No. And He's challenging us to figure out the riddle. No, I think He's taunting them. He's taunting them. Okay. <laughs> yeah. um, and I know, we, you know, I, I don't. I, we, I, I guess, we have some more we've got to go over here. Yeah. Let's, um, let's... And people, you know, people are going to have to. To continue, but you pick pick your pick your passage here. Yeah. So how far does this go? It goes. Uh, to, just, oh yeah. my gosh, there's so much yeah. to talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now you're, you're right. We got it. We got to just pick yeah. a few things and, and cut it short. So let's just read uh, verse eight. The end. There it says. Yeah. Hayesh Is there an aloha? And it's interesting. It's yes. in the singular. Yes. Technically, it's pronounced eloah. It's eloah. Eloah. Is there an Eloah, a, a singular God, not Elohim, Eloah, besides me, and a rock that I did not know about? In other words, I'm the only Eloah. There's mm-hmm. only one. Amen. Um, and uh, let's skip ahead to verse 15. Or yeah. Do you have something you and, want to well, talk about? I just about want to first? say this. I think real quickly, what I would like to challenge people to do is I just think this is a great passage that when he's talking about fashioning the graven image and what happens and how it works and what people do. And I just think that, again, it's a great, clear example of what they were doing. You know, and you have to ask yourself the question, this is what they were doing. Is there a place where that's being done today? So mm-hmm. that's that's as much as I want people to, to look at. But it's right. just a very, very clear. Fashioning the God, casting the idol, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, you're, so I'm skipping ahead to verse 15. Yep. Like, go ahead. Around 15. Yep. Do you have anything before that that you want nope, to talk nope, about? No, nope, that's fine. Okay. So hold on a second here. So 15 and 16. We've got a really interesting word that I just got to talk about under okay. a certain... All right, let me read the JPS. All this serves man for fuel. It's talking about the idols. Yep. He takes some to warm himself, and he builds a fire and bakes bread. He also makes a god of it and worships it. Being the same tree mm-hmm. you use for food, for fire, you also, you know, to feed yourself, you also make a god of it. He also makes a god of it and worships it, fashions an idol, and bows down to it. Mm-hmm. Part of it he burns in a fire. On that part he roasts meat. 
He eats the roast and is sated. He also warms himself and cries. Ah, I am warm. I can feel the heat. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it, it he's, he has no question taunting them he's here. Taunting them. Um, these idolaters who are you know heating themselves with their, the same material as their god. Of the rest, he makes a god. His own carvings, verse 17. He bows down to it and worships it. He prays to it and cries, save me for you are my god. And mm-hmm. isn't that, I think there's something mm-hmm. really profound here mm-hmm. that there's this um, innate human uh, a need to feel salvation, to know that God is saving you. Mm-hmm. And if we can't get that salvation from the creator of the universe, we'll go and we'll make our own idols mm-hmm. and, 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 and delude ourselves to think we're saved from those, um, those idols. And uh, I think it's really interesting, something that's lost in, in the English here, which is in verse 15 and 16, it has a very unusual word for bow down. Mm. It's a word that's, it's a rare word in biblical Hebrew. Um, and it, it, and it's the word, actually, let me see how many times it appears in Tanakh. It appears uh, 17 times in the whole Tanakh. And the word that normally transla- is translated as bow, to bow down is lihishtachavot. Mm-hmm. And this is the word yiskad. Mm-hmm. And anybody who knows Arabic will immediately recognize this is the word that in English is translated as mosque. Mm-hmm. In fact, mosque is a translation into English of mas- masjad. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, you know, they couldn't pronounce that. Or in, actually in, in uh, Egyptian Arabic, it was masgad, which became mosque mm-hmm. in English. It's actually an Arabic word, mosque. Um, and so literally it says, he will mosque, he will bow down to the idol, he will prostrate and to pray to him and say, save me for you are my God. So I, I, I got to wonder here, there's this unusual word referring to an idol, referring to a false God, and it's saying people will mosque before this God, they'll bow down to it, and it uses this, is this wow. is, could this be prophetic? Wow, that's referring amazing. Referring to that's amazing. people who think they're going to be saved bowing down to yeah. uh, mosking before a God. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, anyway, in verse 20, we jump ahead, and it says, and it, it can't save his soul, um, this, this idol that we're talking about. Um, can you read verse 21? Yeah. Remember these things, O Jacob, and Israel, for you are my servant. I have formed you. There's the word again. Mm-hmm. You are my servant, O Israel. You will not be forgotten by me. Whoa. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love it. And again, and, and, I, and I just, I just got to say here, we won't be forgotten by him as long no. as, you know, as, as long as the Israelites remember Yehovah and, and, and we don't, um, you know, don't forget him. Mm. He's not going to forget us. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting. It goes back to the thing earlier. It says, I, I've wiped out your transgressions like a thick cloud and yeah. your sins like a heavy mist. Mm-hmm. Return to me for I have, and then there's this great word, I have redeemed you. Um, so um, now the last, you know, again, we have we have this, this uh, what I, you like to say, he likes us to end on a good note. Yeah. Uh, what, what a great way to end. Yeah. <laughs> what does it say? <laughs> Shout for joy. Oh, heavens. For Yehovah has done it. Shout joyfully, you lower parts of the earth. Break forth into a shout of joy, you mountains, O forest, and every tree in it. For Yehovah has redeemed Jacob, and in Israel he shows forth his glory. How many times, Nehemiah, do you think, even in this passage, have we seen the word redeemed or some aspect of redemption? Um, that's a good question. That's I, a, I mean, there's. It, 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 I see it here in 23. I see it in 22. We see it earlier. Um, I don't have the verse right off the top of my head. I will tell you, one of my little, one of my little challenges is that I don't have my suitcase and I don't have my um, I don't have my uh, all of the things that I had for for this 
I'm supposed to get my suitcase today. Allegedly. Which I'm going to get allegedly, <laughs> which is stuck in Hong Kong. But it's funny, I'm at 24%, and I'm like, yeah. okay, but Uh-oh. we got <laughs> we got to know more we got to try to do. better real quick. Yeah, we got to well, do Well, you, you, you turn off your yeah, computer, and, off and, I'll, and I'll, I'll talk. Yeah. Um, well, I, I, I got to bring this up, and I, I yeah. know like we've probably gone over the time. and um, Yeah, that's okay. You know, So I, I got to bring this up. This last verse says a really interesting image mm. of the mountains shouting out about the, the redemption, and the heavens are going to shout out about the redemption of Israel. Mm. Um and the reason I want to I want to bring this up is earlier in the passage we heard about that people will make this false god and they'll mosque to it. They'll yeast God. He mm-hmm. will bow down and prostrate himself using the word describing idolatrous worship or idolatrous bowing down. Because there's legitimate bowing down, by the way. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know, in, even in Orthodox Jewish synagogues on Yom Kippur, they do full prostration, mm-hmm. same as Muslims. And um, the difference is we're bowing down to Yehovah, the creator of the universe. Mm-hmm. And here it's talking about in this passage about mosking yourself. It's a different word in Hebrew is my mm-hmm. point. When you mo- mosk yourself, when you bow down to the false god. And, and, and I think it's, I can't believe it's an accident that verse 23 uh, is taken in Islam and it's twisted and turned 180 degrees around to mean mm-hmm. the exact opposite of what it says. Let me read you verse 23 one more time in the English. I'll read it from the JPS. Um, you know what? I'm going to read it from a Christian translation because maybe mm-hmm. maybe a Muslim listening to this will say, yeah, you Jews have twisted it. Here's what the, how the Christians translate Isaiah 43 or Isaiah 44. Th- sorry. Verse 21. Uh, is that the verse? One? Oh, um, sorry. Verse 23. Um they say, sing, O ye heavens, for the Lord, which is Jehovah in the Hebrew, hath done it. Shout, ye lower parts of the earth. Break forth into singing, ye mountains, O forest, and every tree thereon. For Jehovah, or the Lord, has redeemed Jacob and glorified himself in Israel. So the very trees, the very mountains will shout out, Jehovah has redeemed Israel. Mm-hmm. And what does Islam take? This is a very famous uh, Islamic statement. It's actually even in the Hamas charter. Mm-hmm. It says, the day of judgment will not come about until Muslims fight Jews and kill them. Mm-hmm. Then the Jews will hide behind rocks and trees, trees, and the rocks and trees will cry out, Oh, Muslim, there is a Jew hiding behind me. Come and kill him. So instead of what the Tanakh says, that the trees and the mountains and the, and, and the rocks will shout out, Israel is redeemed, um, they are going to shout out, there's a Jew hiding behind, behind me. Come and kill him. In the Hebrew scriptures, the mountains and forests will cry out, Yehovah has redeemed Jacob, and he, Yehovah, will glorify Israel. Mm. What a different spirit between the Tanakh mm. And between this doctrine wow. of Islam, it's a completely wow. different spirit. Wow. One is uh, bowing down in full prostration before Jehovah, the creator of the universe, on the holy mountain. And, and, and here's the picture in my mind. There, there, you can, there are these aerial photographs they've taken during Islamic prayers where all the Muslims are on Temple Mount and they're bowing down to Mecca with their backs to the temple, to mm-hmm. backs to, to the place where the temple stood in a different direction, to a different situation, mm-hmm. as opposed to bowing down, they're mosking mm-hmm. to Mm-hmm. Their God. Wow, different well, spirit. Let me say this: um, we're at we're at the we're at, like I said, this is a day that's uh, uh, interesting on a, a bunch of different levels. People are going to be able. Well, one one some people are going to be looking at it from that time point. Some others are going to find out if it's the beginning of the biblical year. Yeah. Others are going to look at it and say, "Wasn't well, it the, the uh, equinox um, <laughs> coming <laughs> or something the day like before?" That. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's a bunch of things that are going to be going on. I think uh, w- w- what both of us can say is, is that um, it's a it's it's really a blessing to be in Israel during this time. Whatever it is that's happening, I mean, there's so much that's going on politically and all of that sort of stuff. But ultimately, Scripture is ultimately where I where I really rest my my security. And in Scripture, I can see over and over again, God has an amazing plan. He's not going to forget his people. Oh, and so um, it really is a blessing. If you'd like, you can, you know, we can go back and forth. You can I, I will end with prayer here. Awesome. Yehovah, Vinu Shabbat Shemayim, Yehovah, our Father in heaven. Yehovah, 
Ata Shahaya Hovehiye. You are he who he was, he is, he will be. Hayita Ata Hovehiye. You are the one who was, who is, who, who will be. Yehovah Tarishon Vacharon. Yehovah, you are the first and the last. Yehovah Ata Ha'alif Vahatav. You are the first letter that began the writing of all creation. You will be the last to write the end of all creation. Yehovah, mm-hmm. Creator, Father. Yehovah, I pray to you and ask you, pour out your Holy Spirit on us, Yehovah, like water that quenches our thirst. Mm-hmm. Jehovah, give us that spirit, pour it out upon us as you spoke in the prophet Isaiah. Mm-hmm. Let us know your truth the way that David knew the truth through your spirit, Jehovah. You are our redeemer and our king, Jehovah. Let the rocks shout out and the trees shout out, Jehovah, the way you spoke, not the way that our enemies spoke, mm-hmm. but what it says in your word. Let them shout out, Jehovah has redeemed Yaakov and he, Jehovah will glorify in Israel. Yehovah, it's for you. It's not for us, Israel, that this is all about. This is about glorifying you. Let those rocks and those trees shout out that Yehovah is glorified through Israel. Mm-hmm. Let us be worthy of glorifying you. We struggle with our internal fights and our internal problems and our internal uh, temptations, Yehovah, both as a people and individually, Yehovah. Give us this this. Make us Yashar, make us straight, make yes. us worthy of the name Yeshurun, the straight one, the one of integrity, that we can walk before you and give honor to your holy name, Yehovah. Yes. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to Prophet Pearls with Nehemia Gordon and Keith Johnson. For more information, please visit Nehemiah'sWall.com and BFA International.com.